welcome to Enter the Glory Zone with me, Dr. Edith Davis, on 94.1 FM, Wave 94. Spiritual believers and listeners, I have had an awesome revelation through the medium of the movies. Yes, Dr. Davis actually loves to go to movies. I'm highly selective about what movies I go to see. And I recently saw two movies, one at the Tallahassee Movie Theater and the other one at the new movie theater at CMX. And one was Harriet Tugman, which I've seen four times now. And the other is Mr. Rogers, which I've seen once, but I plan on taking my mom to see it, so it'll be twice. What was interesting about these two very different movies was the work and the power of the Lord God Holy Spirit through these individuals. What was interesting about these two very different movies, Harriet Tugman was about the escaped slave who was one of the lead conductors of the Underground Railroad who was known to help hundreds and hundreds of slaves to escape from slavery into freedom. And this particular woman, a little short woman under five feet tall, was a mighty giant for the kingdom of God. She actually could not read nor write, but totally was dependent on the Holy Spirit the word of God that she had heard. Because remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And the parts that she let enter into her heart, she cultivated it. She meditated on it. She let it strengthen her. She let it transform her. And her spirit took over her soul and eventually her body. And she was able to be a mighty instrument, a mighty vessel used by Daddy God, Abba Father, Yuhei used by Lord God, Christ Jesus, used by Lord God, Holy Spirit. One of the most powerful scenes that I, that hypnotized me in that movie was when she had her brothers and some other um, slaves that she was taking to freedom. She thought she was going to get her husband, but he thought that she had died, had drowned in the river and had remarried and his new wife was pregnant with their child. Harriet was just devastated, but she, and she went weeping to the father asking that she knew that the Holy Spirit had sent her there and she didn't understand why. Why? Why did he did he do this? And it was because her brothers were about to be sold off on the plantation. And one of the older brothers, basically wife, had just had a baby. So he was going to be taken away from his wife and his baby, newborn baby daughter. And so God really didn't send her back for her husband. He sent her back for her brothers and the other slaves that had found out. And wanted to escape. So the Holy Spirit, they basically had trackers, slave trackers that were following them. And she um, 
was listening to Father and the Holy Spirit came upon her and told her that she had to go a different route, that there was an ambush waiting for them. And so in going a different route, in going a different route, the route that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit told her to, the, the route that the Holy Spirit guided her to, took her to a river. And many African-American slaves were, were afraid of, of the water, were afraid to swim. And some African-Americans to this very day have this same phobia. Um, and I actually, I'm a scuba diver. I, I love to swim. But many African-Americans are afraid of water, are afraid to swim. And this is because of how they were taken across on the slave ships and, and across the ocean. And many Africans, instead of um, going into slavery, into a foreign land, chose to jump off the um, the ships and drown. They'd rather drown than taken into slavery. But anyway, they came to a river and she was very short, like I said, five feet tall at most. And they didn't want to cross the river. And her brother, her elder brother, pulled a mutiny on her and basically um, was going to take over and... Because the people were afraid to cross the river. And so Harriet took her pistol, put it up in the air so it wouldn't get wet and started walking across the river. And of course, it got up to her chin. And then she prayed out to the Holy Spirit. And she said to the Father and to Lord God Christ Jesus. And she said, rivers of living waters, rivers of living waters that pour through me. Father, help me. Guide me across this river. And then all of a sudden, she started walking. And instead of her being underneath the river, she started rising up and walking on land again out to the other riverbank. In essence, a bridge, a supernatural bridge was formed for Harriet. And then the other slaves followed her, including her eldest brother. There was one woman who actually had a little one, under one-year-old baby in her arms. And so it, you know, it was um it was it was a magnificent scene. And once she got on the other side, God taught her a valuable lesson about leadership and family. She, her brother, of course, apologized for the mutiny and he her nickname that she had with her siblings and her mother and father was Mitzi. And she, her brother said, Mitzi, I am so sorry. And she said, you can no longer call me Mitzi. My freedom name is Harriet Tugman. And I am the leader of this expedition. And from this day forward, everybody will do as I say, because her brother would have got them all killed or taken back into slavery. And we know that when you were a runaway slave and you got caught, sometimes your one of your feet would be amputated, um, one of your hands, arms, oh, uh, severe whippings almost to death. It was not a good thing to run away and be caught. If you weren't killed, sometimes you were actually killed as an example to others. And... um. So that scene where she prayed to the Holy Spirit, she prayed to Christ Jesus, she prayed to the Father, Daddy God, you hey, vahe. When she prayed, 
and God heard her prayer. She knew that that was her destiny. She knew that that was her mission. And she went on to become actually a slave, uh, not a slave, but a spy for the Union Army. Um, she um, worked in the suffrage movement as well as she was an advocate for the elderly and she died um they believe it was in her 90s but probably was even older than that because they really didn't know her exact date of her birth and so she mm, <laughs> she was <coughs> a powerful instrument for the kingdom of god she was called the Black Moses. She actually exemplified the deliverer, Christ Jesus. Then I went to see Tom Hanks in Mr. Rogers' movie, In the Neighborhood. And I knew some things about Mr. Rogers. Of course, like many other young people, uh, or people of my age, we know all about Mr. Rogers. We watched Mr. Rogers um, as, as children ourselves. And Mr. Rogers was another example of Christ Jesus operating through the body of Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers actually was a minister. A lot of people do not know this, but Mr. Rogers was a minister. Mr. Rogers had a serious prayer life. He prayed every day. He read scripture every day. And he had the Christ-like attribute of if the Holy Spirit brought an individual into his presence, he knew that God wanted him to focus on them and them alone. Mr. Rogers Many parents with autistic children, many parents with retarded children, many parents with broken children. Because Mr. Rogers ended up, because of his devotion to the Lord God Christ Jesus, he became an apostle, an apostle of broken souls of children. Mr. Rogers' show in the neighborhood dealt with horrible things that children, some children, have to go through divorce, um, mal um, rape, um, molestation, um, hunger, poverty. I mean, all sorts of awful, wicked things that happen to children. Mr. Rogers actually taught children how to handle their soul, their emotions, how to handle it the godly way, how to survive and thrive. Mr. Rogers, as a child, was very obese. And because he was so overweight, he was often picked on by his classmates. And it was very wounding to him as a child. And he felt ostracized in many cases. And through this process, where the enemy meant for evil, God turned around for good. And because of this experience that he had as a child, he developed a strong empathy for, for children and for people. <clears throat> and so he had the God trait of focusing on you as if you were the only person on planet Earth and that you got his all his total 
attention and he focused on and he listened to the Holy Spirit on how to minister to you and you alone. It was very exacerbating for a lot of people who had to work with Mr. Rogers because if it took hours for him to reach an autistic child, if it took him hours to reach a child with intellectual disability, if it took hours for him to reach the broken soul of a child, he took those hours. He took the time. He because they would bring him before the show would start. And he spent time ministering to these children. He went on to become an advocate for children. And he was asked by doctors who um, were trying to um, uh, minister and also doctors who were trying to heal um, children from certain maladies. And they asked for Mr. Rogers' assistance and they would ask him to write a book on how to do this. And of course, he had, um, he didn't have a time. He's such a busy man. He, I mean, he was, everybody wanted a piece of Mr. Rogers. And he had assigned someone under him to write the book. And when he went through her book, um, he wrote, scratched out something and wrote at the very top to the doctors. Remember when you were a child. So he, was phenomenal. Congress called Mr. Rogers in in Congress. He um to testify. He he understood the power of television. He understood the power of the media long before the internet, long before right social media. He understood this and he used the media for good and not for evil. One of the most powerful scenes for me that penetrated my spirit was there was one particular, it was a, uh, he was a writer for Esquire. He was a great writer. He had a very um, hard childhood because his father was an alcoholic. His father abandoned his mom and him and his um, sister to, um, because she was dying. So he was a coward. His father was a coward. And when the going got tough, he got going. So he left the children with their dying mother. And it was a it was an awful experience. It was a wretched experience. It was very hard for a child to deal with the mother screaming in pain, reeling in pain as she died. And it made him bitter. And time went on and it this basically took his toll on both his sister and him. He was married to an African-American female. He was Caucasian and he was married to an African-American female and they had their first child, uh, newborn. And she actually was a lawyer and she stepped away from her um, career to basically um, be a mother to their child. And of course, he was a writer, a, a great writer for Esquire. His sister was getting married. They were getting ready to go to their sis his sister's third marriage. So there was a lot of damage in her as well that was manifesting in her marriages. And, you know, girls, women, we have a tendency to be very compassionate and somewhat forgiving. 
and she invited their estranged father to her third wedding. And basically, he was like, how could you do this? And so he went to the wedding with his wife and his newborn son, and and he tried his best to steer clear of his father. But of course, his father wanted to reconnect with his son because he was dying unbeknownst to his son. And um, he was a changed man. He was a different man. He realized that he was a coward. He realized that he was wrong to have abandoned their mother in her time of need. But he wanted his son to forgive him and give him another chance. And what ended up happening was they had a they ended up in a fisticuff. That's an old English term. They ended up fighting, brawling, punching each other. And the father punched him in the face and he punched his father. And so he had this big um, abrasion, this big bruise on his in the middle of his uh, forehead between his two eyes across his nose. And so it was evident when you walk when he walked into the office, <laughs> when he went into the office and his editor had given him his new assignment, which was to interview. They were going to do an assignment on heroes. And she asked him to write a 400-word piece on Mr. Rogers. And she said to him, the reporter, she said to him, you, everybody rejected you as, as the, to be their interviewer because of your record. And his record was because of his perspective, because of the twistedness in his heart, the twistedness in his mind, the twistedness in his will, the twistedness in his emotion, when he looked at people, when he looked at things, he always saw the dark side of people. He always saw, no matter how good they tried to position themselves, he could find the underpinnings of something negative And so He took this great gift Instead of uplifting people And inspiring people He tore people apart And so no one No one wanted him Except for Mr. Rogers And Mr. Rogers had an executive Who was like his armor bearer His his guard, guarded and protected him Not only physically But he tried to protect him um, emotionally and protect him from evil people that would try to use and abuse him. And this individual warned Mr. Rogers about the reporter from the Esquire and gave him every article that he wrote. And, and Mr. Rogers actually read every article that the man wrote, knowing how he just defamed and and um, and, you know, did his his people that he was selected to interview <laughs> very badly when he got through writing his piece. But uh, Mr. Rogers took him in and the, the armor bearer, the the guard that protected Mr. Rogers told the reporter, he says, Mr. Rogers loves people like you, broken people. And so during the process of the. Interviewing, it, he would get intermittent um, moments with Mr. Rogers, and he basically was blown away by 
the transparency and the intimacy that Mr. Rogers drew you into because Daddy God of our Father, you hey, vai, hey, Lord God Christ Jesus and Lord God Holy Spirit wants a intimate relationship with you. They want to be drawn closer into a relationship with you. Mr. Rogers had a way of taking the questions of the interviewer and turning the questions around and asking and basically interviewing the interviewer. And he basically got down to the issue of the torn up relationship, the the dysfunctional relationship that he had with his father and how this relationship was poisoning his life and that he was heading down the road of also being divorced, separated from his child if he did not rectify and change his ways. And probably no longer would have a job if he did not rectify and change his way. Even though he was brilliant, was talented, was a great writer, his, his damaged soul, his damaged mind, his damaged will, his damaged emotions, putrefied, tainted everything that he touched. That's the problem with unforgiveness, everyone. This is why God says you must forgive. This is why God says you must not be offended. Many of you today are going for the holidays back to your homesteads. Many of you today are going back to the family nest. Many of you today are traveling back in time to your mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and cousins. And you're going to go back to people in your childhood that have hurt you, have damaged you, have possibly raped you, have possibly molested you, have done evil, wicked things to you. And it will surge up the root of bitterness, the root of unforgiveness, the root of offense and putrefy the whole situation. And you will once again, be validated saying, see, I told you they were no good. I told you they didn't change, but you're the one that hasn't changed. You're the one that hasn't forgiven. You're the one that has not been repentive and had no offense. There is none, not one, not one person on planet her earth that has not sinned. Not one of us, including me, not one. All have sinned and have fallen short. And if it wasn't for the blood of Christ Jesus, we would all be going to hell, including me. But God, in his graciousness, in his love and in his mercy, came down from heaven and died for each and every one of us. And his spirit radiates in people like Mr. Rogers and Harriet Tugman, Mr. Rogers, focused like a laser beam on that young reporter, focused like the laser beam to heal and repair his broken heart, to heal and repair his broken mind, to heal and repair his shattered emotions and heal and repair his misguided will. The love of Christ Jesus flowed like a river, the river's 
the rivers of water, the rivers of water of the Holy Spirit that flowed in Harriet Tugman, flowed in Mr. Rogers, and overflowed on this young man, washing away his pain, washing away his fears, washing away his misdirected mind, his 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 raw, unchanneled, unpurified emotions, washing away oh, all the misguided, mis dysfunctional ways of thinking, incorrect teaching, incorrect doctrines, wrong perceptions, washed it all away. The love of Christ Jesus flowing out of Mr. Rogers transformed that man and it redeemed him. It restored him. It was a resurrection to a new life. And that reporter ended up writing a phenomenal story on a true hero, Mr. Rogers, that was on the cover of Esquire. I actually went back and started reading the article that this man wrote on Mr. Rogers, and it saved his marriage. It saved his career on his job because someone was willing to lay down their lives and let God have his way with them to do the will of the father, to say what they heard their father say, to do what they saw their fathers do. This man, Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers, surrendered his life to the one and only true God, Daddy God, you have I surrendered his life to Lord God, Christ Jesus, surrendered his life to the Lord God, Holy Spirit, so that he could be used to touch millions and millions and millions of men, women, and children, even to this very day, for the good of the Father, for the good of the kingdom of God. The apostle, the apostle of broken children's souls. What would Christ Jesus look like in you if you will surrender, if you will surrender your mind to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit? If you will surrender your emotions, let him baptize, let him purge and cleanse your emotions with his holy blood. Let him baptize, let him purge and cleanse your will. Not my will be done, but thy will be done. And let the rivers of living water flow through you. But you can't do it without the second baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yes, there is a second baptism of the Holy Spirit. The first baptism is when you get saved, when you accept Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when you surrender your life to the Father, when you decide to abide, to be obedient to the Father and His Word and the Holy Spirit. So that's the first baptism. It's like drinking a cup or a beautiful glass of purified water. So the spirit of God is in you. You are now made a new creation in Christ Jesus. You have the same spirit, identical spirit, multiplication of the spirit of Christ Jesus. And then you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, you are brand new. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now the soul, which is the mind and the will and the emotion, has not yet been transformed. So any wretched thoughts, any wretched deeds, any wretched habits 
things that were contrary to God are still inlaid in your soul and you've got to get immersed in the word and let the word cleanse you. Let the word transform your mind. Let the word transform your will. Let the word transform your emotions. And then your body, if you if you were overweight before you got saved, you're going to be overweight after you get saved. But you can what? Let the spirit and your soul transform your body and you start working out. You start eating right because your body now is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes. So what would Christ Jesus look like in you? You can identify Men and women who have surrendered their body, have surrendered their soul, have surrendered it all to God. Their, their spirit is now a duplication of Christ Jesus. And guess what? Christ Jesus. I saw Christ Jesus in the body of Mr. Fred Rogers. I saw Christ Jesus in the body of Harriet Tugman. I saw Christ Jesus in the body of Mother Teresa. I saw Christ Jesus in the body of Gandhi. I saw Christ Jesus in the body, hallelujah, of men and women of God throughout the ages who surrendered their body, surrendered their soul and their spirit to Christ Jesus. And there are men and women and children throughout the world that God wants you to reach, that he wants to reach them through you. But you must abide. Yes, as you can see, Fred Rogers and Harriet Tugman have made a major impact on Dr. Edith Gale Davis. And I, too, want the rivers of living water to pour out in me. And I want people to one day say, I saw Christ Jesus in the body of, De of Edith Gale Davis. Of course, I don't want to end this broadcast without saying Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Thank you for once again for joining me. Edith Gale Davis, Dr. Edith Gale Davis on Enter the Glory Zone, 94.1 FM, Wave 94.